Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no don't sweat yo, cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. We have a great episode for you. It is with the stars of Unbridled, Caitlin Simpson and Misha Danny Goodman. That short film that they made was directed by Chelsea Lockie, who directed Woe Is She, the web series, which we had them on a while ago. So shout out to all of them. And this talk was super great. They get into how they made the film, taking it on the film festival rounds, which they are doing right now. And lots of stuff. It's super great. Uh, Caitlin is the one with the British accent and Misha is the one who does not have a British accent. Should be pretty clear. Um, I also don't have a British accent. Here's my chat with Caitlin Simpson and Misha Danny Goodman. We just got back from LA from premiering at Dances with Films. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, it was very exciting. Yes, good to be there. Mm-hmm. We've been working on the film for a couple of years now. So finally sharing it with the world was a big accomplishment for us mm-hmm. and very exciting for our families and friends. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you had that chance to share it with family and friends at the at this event. Yeah, and industry, which was great. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, we were there for like, you know, a good amount of days and people were like, so are you dying to move to L.A.? And it's like, no, because we didn't really get it to experience L.A. What we've experienced is worse than Times Square. <laughs> so I, I was just like, I really appreciate my life in New York. Yeah. I never had a Los Angeles vibe. I always had a New York vibe. I'm from South Carolina. So when I moved oh. up here, that was the only time I'd lived anywhere else. And it, I, I love it here. What brought you to New York originally? Acting work, media work, going for that. Awesome. So obviously, Caitlin, you are from London. I am, yes. If people can't detect that from your <laughs> accent, I don't know what to tell you. But Misha, you're, are you originally from New York? Well, I've lived here for 10 years. So doesn't that make me like, yeah, yeah well, you're a New Yorker. I'm a real New Yorker, but I was born and raised in West Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, okay. And so also not very far from here. No, just two uh, and a half hours. Right. Before I get into talking about Unbridled and how that came to be, I want to hear a little bit about how you individually came to be and then how you came to be together. Caitlin, your background I assume there's some theater acting. Did you do much comedy before coming out to the States? I did a bit. So I was born and raised um, in London, in, but by American parents. So I spent time in New York, you know, as I was growing up a bit, because that's where my mom and dad lived before they moved to London. And when I was, I thought I was, you know, a very serious actor. I was going to do Shakespeare and all these things. And I was very serious. And then... I um I was in a I, when I sort of got into like high school age I had a director who he was like the first person to ever tell me that I was funny Mr Heron 
And I was like, what are you talking about? Funny. I'm not, I'm, I'm very serious. And then he put me in a production of West Side Story and, you know, some of my mom and dad's friends like still refer to me as the drunk in the green dress because I had one scene in West Side Story where I played like this crazy drunk teacher. And so <laughs> that was like the beginnings of my comedy. And ever since I've done a lot of drinking in green dresses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, young at the time, I was sort of 14 years old. And so to learn how to play drunk, I watched the, you know, the I Love Lucy episode where she does the Vitamita Vegemin. Oh, yeah. And that's sort of how I learned to play drunk so with, with I Love oh. Lucy. Oh, so yeah, so that's sort of where I started comedically. And then we did we did a bit of comedy together in acting school. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where we, our com- comedic duo started. Yes. yes. Also, oh. I'm not going to jump all the way to how we became, a, you know, a duo. But like <laughs> when we started coming up with an idea of what we wanted to do, I absolutely was not doing a drama. So I don't, I mean, I think if I had wanted to do a drama, you would have been really interested in doing that. You know, drama with comedic, uh, like I was like a bit of a joke in a drama, but yeah. I was, I would probably lean heavier yeah. drama than Misha did. But yeah, but I was like, I don't even think we ever talked about we it. We did not. We did not. But never it even on the table. It was not on the table. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just say that before we. Go into my birth story. You know? but now you, you tell your comedic journey. Yes. So I was yes, born please. at 2 a.m. <laughs> on October 25th, and I was actually purple. And my mom said to the doctor, oh, she's lavender. And the doctor was like, yeah, she's about to die. And so oh, wow. I'm kidding. Well, I, that's literally true. But um, I got put in the warming bin. It was fine. I'm sure it wasn't mm-hmm. a bin. I'm sure no, it was like a warming bin thing that like a NICU not yeah yeah like one of those you know plastic bins right yeah like from the container store (laughs) right but it's heated yeah so anyway I had always sort of been funny so my siblings are 16 14 and 10 years older than I am all from the same parents and so to kind of get attention in the family amongst adults I kind of had to be funny and get Mm. attention And so from young, young age, I would be performing and being silly in front of people and always loved doing comedy and was doing JCC plays and, you know, summer camp shows and stuff like that. And then I went to college for acting and where we met was the two year conservatory at Michael Howard Studios, where I did a lot of comedy. Okay, Um, and that was when you both were in. In college? After. Uh, afterwards. Oh, yeah. it was right after. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After we had each moved to New York, we did a two-year conservatory there. And um, yeah, they did that, especially like in terms of like showcasing and things like that there, it's a heavily comedy-leaning school. And okay. um, yeah, so that's sort of, that was a, a lot of it too. Yeah. And I just have always loved comedic movies and that's where my happy place is to watch and so Mm -hmm. when we got together and wanted to do something I definitely wanted to do something funny yeah and the other thing is that our dear friend who made a funny short film you know several years ago I went to a lot of film festivals with her to support and an awful lot of the time at these film festivals all of the short films are incredibly sad like 
heavy, heavy drama, you know, like really emotional. And Ariel's movie was such a breath of fresh air in those lineups because, and everyone was so happy to have some levity. And so when we were started talking about something to do, that was important to both of us was to be able to bring a little bit of light and breath and air to these often very sad, dramatic slates of films. Right. What was that film that brought the breath of fresh air? It's called Sac de Merd, M-E-R-D-E. It's Ariel Hallis Silverstone made it. And it's really good. Very funny. Oh, wonderful. Okay. It's about a time that she had sex with a guy with a colostomy bag. Okay. An average scenario right. for any of us. Very relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely. <laughs> Everyone's done that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested in a couple of things. One thing, it's such a sweet thing that, you know, you met in conservatory and I've met friends that I ended up collaborating with in classes. And it's it's wonderful to meet someone and, and connect with them because the first thing is you see them in a scene and you are inspired by it. you immediately like that person. And then they see you and they say the same thing back to you that you felt about them. And then you start working together and it's this great, wonderful new friendship, but it's also this fun artistic collaboration. What was that experience like for you two? Does that sound familiar? Yes. Well, I, Misha was a few years ahead of me and I thought she was very cool because I saw her do her shows before. And very I, talented and beautiful. You know, <laughs> <Natalie>. <laughs> um, just kidding. <laughs> I, I got to see her perform you know, before we were friends. And yeah, so I was, I was like, oh, I want to be friends with us. And then we oh. ended up in class together. Like, because, you know, everyone comes together for like a weekly scene study class, even like across years. So, and then we once we were in class together, we were sort of a fast friendship. Yeah, I don't even really remember what happened. I just Me remember either. all of a sudden I was living on her street. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that did happen very quickly. <laughs> I honestly don't remember anything before Cornelia Street. We had um, giant Greek salads together. That was where? our first our first friend date. Are you talking about a big daddy? Yes. Does that place still exist? Probably not. Yeah. I don't remember that. Greek salads. <laughs> first date. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so clearly that was like seven years ago. Wow. So you've been working together and friends for many years now. Yeah. Yeah. Working together for four, four and a half years. Yeah. Four years. ish. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Is Unbridled the first project you worked on? Because uh, you mentioned it was four and a half years ago. So you, did you start working on Unbridled four and a half years ago? Yes, we had a, the movie was finished, you know, sort of three days before the pandemic, literally. Um, so, so that's yeah. sort of added two years to our timeline. So basically what mm -hmm. happened was we raised the money. This is kind of a fun underdog story. <laughs> yeah, Cinderella story, gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> so we raised a, around like $43,000 by ourselves to shoot wow. Unbridled in 2018 summer. Then we shot in fall, autumn 2019. Fall of 2019. And then COVID hit, you know, January of 2020. We had finished the movie. We were in back and forth emails with the post house, figuring out the dates of when we were going to go in person to meet up with them, to do the color and the sound and the, this and the that. Mm -hmm. And COVID happened and they were like, you know, this was before COVID was a thing. So they were like, we don't know if we can 
do your work at our homes. We don't have like our, our colorists and sound editors, they don't have any of these equipments that they need to do any of your work at home. So we have no idea what's going to be, whether they're going to be in the studio. So we were just like, okay, we're on pause. And we were on pause for, you know, a couple of weeks. And in that time, we started rewatching the film over and over and over again. And we were like, you know, this scene is kind of, I don't really like the acting in this scene. And then there was just kind of a, forget that one scene that had bad acting. (laughs) There was a big hole in, you know, between the second and the final scene. And we were like, Mm. this is a problem. And if we don't address this problem, the film is not going to be outstanding. It's just going to be okay. And good. Yeah. Better than okay. Yeah. It was going to be, it was going to be good. Like (laughs) it was going to get into festivals. People were going to like it, but it was not going to be the full beginning, middle and end whole story that we had promised the 300 people that gave us money. Right. And we felt very strongly that we needed to go back and reshoot and shoot a new scene. So we did that. Wow. And that is why it took us some extra time. And we could not have made a better decision than what we did. I completely agree. It was the best thing we ever did. We can honestly say, I'll speak for you because (laughs) the film is absolutely unequivocally the best it could have ever been Mm -hmm. based on what we had Mm -hmm. and what we did. It's just... It, it is. It's it was missing. You know the the resolution happened too fast. Right. It wasn't good storytelling. Is mm-hmm. yeah. And the other part of it, which this is absolutely true, and this was very important to us that we address this story issue. And the other thing was, we really wanted the experience of going to film festivals in person. Like that mm-hmm. was really yeah. important to us as part of you know networking and getting to know other filmmakers and you know do do the festival circuit and. You know, we've had we have friends who have put their films into these online festivals and had lots of success and really loved their experiences, and we're very supportive and happy for them. But it just wasn't what we wanted. So, in in making this decision to fix the story, we also gave ourselves the opportunity to go to these festivals in person. That's great. I mean, that makes so much sense to want to. I mean, you worked on it, and then you know, part of going to the festival is the networking. So, mm-hmm. you know, why cheat yourself out of that? When you have this opportunity, people make a lot of the work they make so they can get work for themselves. That's <laughs> why John Favreau wrote Swingers. That's why Ben and Matt wrote Goodwill Hunting. You know, yeah. it's to create work for yourself. And the best way to do that is to be able to go in person and present it to people. Yeah. Well, good on you. Thank you. Where did this idea come from? Because the, the two of you created this. So was it an idea that you had knocking around? Like, how did you come up with the idea? And then we could talk about also the writing partner that you had. Do you want to take this one? Yeah. So the summer that we came up with the idea or the beginnings of the idea, we had both been scheduled to go to a bunch of weddings. I was in a few weddings and we were just sitting in Caitlin's apartment and I was just so stressed out about how much money I was about to spend on all of these weddings. And that was one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is that I was single and all my friends had these serious, other than Caitlin, (laughs) 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 other than Caitlin, like 
we were kind of the only two single people and I was about to go to all these weddings alone. And, you know, when you're single, you don't get invited with a date because at 250 ahead, like no one's inviting you with a date. And so you're about to go to these weddings alone and people are like, so, you know, when are you getting married? Like, are you dating? And they're also like, so like, what's going on with your acting career? Like, are you, what are you in that I can see? Yeah. Or like, are you auditioning for Broadway? Like, you, uh-huh. you're, you're an artist. You completely understand what I'm I saying. I know exactly. Yeah. When are you going to be on SNL? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or like, yeah, you should audition for Broadway. Like, <laughs> do you know anyone at Broadway? Right. Like it works that easily. The, the feel, like the dread heart feeling you get like right, right here when that, those questions and you're just like, oh, sinking. I'm a failure. I am nothing in my life. Right. And the, and right. it couldn't be farther from the truth. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's just where you're at uh, when you it's and I've had a million people say this to me and you know this to be true. When you move to New York, that is a huge, huge step. Yeah. And that's something that should be celebrated. That is that is not just something else before you're successful. That is part of you being a successful person. Exactly. And at this point, Misha's been in like multiple national commercials, like is doing very well, but it's hard to be like, yeah, did you see me in that corner commercial? Like, And they're expecting you to be like, to to be showing them your, you know, Emmy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They want to know that you're the star of a new Law and Order series. And it's like, that's not how it works. (laughs) Um, totally. So there was just a couple of things, you know, floating around and we were like, you know, it can't just be us who are experiencing these types of pressures to kind of have it all figured out, not just have your career figured out, but have your partner figured out and not just your partner, but like your next five years and your next 10 years and where are you going to be and what do you want to do and all this stuff and how kind of men generally don't have those exact same pressures put on them in society. And we started exploring that idea about what women are experiencing from their families biologically and Mm. from society, you know, our society versus, you know, other cultures, what are they going through? And thus we kind of, we landed on weddings And, you know, a bride and her maid of honor and like, you know, a sister relationship, just because we were, we were, we are best friends. We were like, we should definitely capitalize on the relationship we already have Mm -hmm. and that to our advantage. So we kind of, we landed on the what, a wedding, yeah, the who, the sisters. And then we just started thinking about the why and how, you know, because, you know, as you see in the movie, we are our characters and it's true to life as well. Like we're pretty opposite in the way that we are. And also in the way that we respond to those, to the pressures we've been talking about. Right. And, you know, I'm a bit more internal, like I implode, like I hide in my own house and you know, like <laughs> that, that is how I, you know, I shove everything down like a good English girl and <laughs> I don't express anything. And and Misha's a bit more open. And you know, just taking shots and like going out with anyone who would think, <laughs> you know, and trying to find someone desperately, you know, asking literally anyone if they know anyone that will go out with me. <laughs> and so that's what sort of how our truths like became the truths to the characters in the movies. You know, like my character 
has decided that although she may not be ecstatic about the guy, she's going to get married anyway. She's going to like do the right thing and she's going to get married and settle down and have the kids and the, you know, the, what's it called? The fence. The picket fence. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Because he's fine. Like he's nice. And you know, so in the movie, she's about to marry this guy who's nice. He's, he's, he's plenty smart. He's got a fine job. He's nice to her. Like he's all the things, you know, and how many friends do you have that like have picked a partner that are just totally fine? It's got <laughs> all the things, but they're not what you would want for your friend because Ooh. your friend is awesome. And you want your friend to pick someone amazing that matches them or like right. is just as amazing as them. And we completely related to that, you know, having friends that are just settling because mm-hmm. they're getting older, even though they're not even old, but you know, like society tells us, you know, you're 30. Right. Okay. Old, old. <laughs> right. And Misha's character has sort of run in the opposite direction. And she's more of like the party girl. She fun is primary in her life. And cause she's not going to, she's not going to bow to the pressures. So one has bowed and the other will not. So, and it's about like the, those two realities are very, very present in the film and in, and in life, not in our lives, but in, <laughs> in life in general. So it was important to us to show like two very different ways of experiencing. Yes. That thing. perfect. So then we came to our writer, this amazing guy, Tom Harp mm-hmm. with these characters and this concept of a wedding. And together with Tom, we created this concept of them in the woods, landing at the nudist retreat. It was sort of like a grand caper adventure yes. film. <laughs> and we had a wonderful working relationship with Tom. We just saw him. We met him for the very first time in, in person in right. LA when we were at the festival, which was... Oh, food. wow. Yeah. And it's crazy because Tom is an amazing writer, amazing director. He's literally amazing. And we've known this forever. But the script that we read that made us hire Tom, which is called The Donor Party... Mm-hmm just was shot and filmed and just got acquired by Vertical Entertainment. This deadline article literally came out last Wednesday. Yeah. It's wow, pretty yeah. Tom is skyrocketing to notoriety as we speak. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's crazy that it's happening at the same time as the film is coming out and we are, you know, gaining traction with it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and as the Jews would say, Bishert meant to be. <laughs> oh, okay. I learned a new word. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Bishert. So we read that script four years ago when we, or three, I guess three years ago, where we were writing with Tom. Yeah. And so we worked with him. He gave us drafts. We gave him notes. We gave, he gave us drafts. We gave him notes. And we ended up with this amazing piece that we were over the phone. This was pre-Zoom. I think we did Zoom him a few times, though. Did we? To me, I don't know if sure. Zoom existed. What are you talking about? Did, <laughs> I didn't know Zoom existed before 2020. I didn't either. I mean, I guess it did, but who was using it? You know, it was Skype. Everyone talked about Skype. Oh, Skype. Maybe it was oh, Skype. Maybe it was Skype. Or FaceTime. Skype. Remember Skype? <laughs> yeah, I used Skype for a while for this podcast if I was interviewing oh, wow. someone who uh, I wasn't going to be able to interview in person. I'm going to just say it. Zoom is better. <laughs> Shots fired. Yes. Yeah. Pretty great. Get at me, Zoom, if you want to <laughs> get a partnership, yeah, partnership here. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, well, that's really fantastic for, for all of you mm-hmm. that he is having this uh, this pop in his career while this is coming out. As as you say, Bashert 
It is. Did I say that right? Yes, Beshert. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. So how did you link up with other friend of the show, the director, Chelsea Lockie? Chelsea Lockie is the is best. Just honestly, she is, I don't know, she's just, she's queen. She's yeah. queen. She is the moment. She is everything. So basically, right. I met Chelsea because I was at the HBO Latino Film Festival, I think, in New York. Or the I think it was just actually the Latino Film Festival. It may have been hosted by HBO. I don't, you might want to cut that out. I don't know. I was at the Latino Film Festival in New York watching my friend's film. And she had a birthday party slash premiere party before the film. And Chelsea was there. And she was like, oh, I heard you're looking for a director for your film. You may want to meet this girl. I actually don't think I met her at the party, but she was at the party. I remember seeing her there. I may have met her there, but we didn't actually connect about doing the film there. Right. Later, the girl whose film I was at gave me Chelsea's contact information and was like, I really think you should reach out to her. I think she'll be a great fit. Meanwhile, we were about to hire someone else, like literally days away, away. contract away from signing someone else onto the project who we Mm -hmm. really liked Mm -hmm. as well. She was a great great gal. Um, I sound like my dad. She's a great gal. (laughs) (laughs) She still is, by the way. Yeah. We still great. No, still great gal. But then we met Chelsea for coffee and we literally fell in love with her upon meeting her one time. She has this calming and well, you know her, she has this calm. I met her when she did. Woe is she? She, her and the other, the other gals came on (laughs) and they were great. And she does have that bombing energy. Yes. She's super dynamic, but also Zen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we got along really well. She had her vision for the film really did match ours because we were very focused on it feeling like a studio comedy. Like that was very Mm -hmm. important to us because that is, we were modeling the film after that. We didn't want it to feel like an end. We wanted it to feel like right yes. and old and like big funny like bridesmaids in the hangover we yeah. were calling our film bridesmaids meets the hangover and we wanted it to be that and mm-hmm. we needed a director who was going to execute that yeah and she understood and agreed with us immediately and she it's important that people agree with us <laughs> no it is <laughs> no but honestly that's funny that you say that but but it actually was we'd been working on it for so long And we had such a strong vision at that point that we were like, we need someone who's going to add to what we have and make us even better versus someone who's going to take us in a completely other direction and like take us back. We need someone. You don't want to butt heads when you're, you have, it's, it's your baby, you know how you want to present it. And so if someone comes in with a completely different idea and they're fighting you, to, for it to be different than what you want, then it's hard, especially if you're acting in it, it's hard to match what they want. Yeah. You've got something else in your mind and on your heart with it. And, you know, what was so wonderful is that when we were on set, we were able to be completely present as actors because we both trusted Chelsea. Absolutely. We knew that she, that she was going to carry our 
try like the three of our visions, like all yeah. three of our visions yeah. together and be there. And so we could just be in the moment acting, which was right. awesome. Yes. She was a, was, and is a wonderful collaborator mm-hmm. and leader in leader. Mm-hmm. She really can fall into the leader position with grace and what, like what's the word humility? I don't know. That's a word oh, that a could word. fit with that. Yeah. Humility. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic. That's this sounds like it was a wonderful experience. Listen, <laughs> we had we had issues. We're not going to lie to you. This was sort of sure. like we we had an incredible, incredible team. But there just was like, you know, the, we we say to each other, well, you know, it's unbridled. So something's going to go wrong. So like we had unseasonable snow, like we went for an outdoor shoot. It was 30 degrees the whole time. We had naked people. It Uh it was like lots of things that happened where we were just sort of had to throw up our hands and be like, okay, how do we fix it? But it's we learned how to be so resilient as filmmakers, as people, as Mm -hmm. create, as creatives, like in every aspect of life, you know, right. like now something goes wrong and we're just like, okay, next, next, you know, we learned so right. many different skills. Like I learned editing, like I edited the film and now I do professional editing on the side as a side job. Caitlin learned Photoshop. Like she does Photoshop for all of our things. We just picked up so many new skills and it was life altering. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's many more to come. I don't want to be one of those people who comes up and says, well, when's the next thing? Because that's sort of like the the film equivalent of when are you going to get married? <laughs> but it's I, I'm it sounds like this was a an experience that inspired that's going to inspire more opportunities like this for each other. I'm knocking wood. I mean, we are working on the feature. So you can ask us what's next and we can just be like, it's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what's next? It's the feature. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's a feature version of Unbridled and it's really exciting. Yeah. Awesome. And the thing is that when we were working with Tom initially, the story and the first version of the script for a 15 minute film was 30 pages. <laughs> just like, too long. Too so, long for a short film. Yeah. So what's great is that we have already like all these little other bits of the adventure that we in our minds is still part of the story very not part of the story that we shot so it's it's not like we're starting from you know square one right right oh that's really cool yeah then anyone who's who saw the short film at one of the festivals because it's been at a few festivals it's i saw that it's 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 in another one next weekend and then a couple more during the summer yeah. So it's okay. But so you got accepted. Yeah. I don't know the day. I know about Portland Comedy Film Festival and the Austin Comedy Film Festival. Those haven't happened yet. No, no. And okay. Atlanta Film Festival, Atlanta, Atlanta Shorts Fest, and right. the Bridgeport, Connecticut Film Festival is happening. Awesome. Also. That's cool. That's so great. So we're at the beginning of the part where you get to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Thanks for including us in that. I didn't realize it was so early in in this period of sharing it with everyone. Oh, that's, I'm honored. I'm honored. Well, we're honored to be on your podcast. Exactly. Thank you for interviewing us. Oh, for sure. Now that we are at the end of the episode, let's create something together. 
And you already have an idea for a feature-length film, but if you were going to create a brand new thing, can we either talk about what that process would look like? Because you sort of described it before. Maybe we could sort of, in a act-out sort of way, go over that process you described on how you came up with Unbridled. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. Where would we start? Well, we would start probably with like one of two ways. One, with what's going on in our lives right now, or what do we like? Mm. What do we like and what do we want to do? Like, what do right. you want to do next? I actually do have the beginnings of an idea. I mean, that we could, that, that we could, you know, expand upon. So let's, let's hear it. I would like, this is the first time I'm hearing it, so I would like to hear it. Oh, let's hear it together. <laughs> so... Very sadly, my um, my father passed away quite recently, and um, sorry to hear that. Thank you, but uh, you know what I realized, you know, going through this whole process is that it's actually, you know, it's actually very funny. Like the funerals, hilarious. Like hilarious. Oh, the, yeah. If you're not so sad, like you can sort of like have like an you know looking down upon yourself moment and be like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. like I was telling Misha at one point. We were going to have to, to like, you know, getting, okay. So getting ashes from England to the US, hilarious because someone has to carry them on the plane. Like you have to, like they mm-hmm. cannot be transported in any other way. So like your friend has to carry you on the plane. And I, do, I don't know what like the begin like this truly is the very beginnings of an idea, but sort of along the lines of death at a funeral, like mm-hmm. just the comedy of all the people, yes, like your uncle. Oh my god! Right. Yes, yes. And there's and so many stories within this. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, she's gonna. There's a man. Um, this man who we were at our house literally four, three four days, days after it happened, and it was at our house in London. And there's a knock on the door, and we go answer the door, and there is a man who we haven't seen in like six years, in his pajamas, weeping. And meanwhile, like my mother's just lost her husband. We just lost our father. Like we're very upset. And this man comes inside in his pajamas, weeping, invites himself into our house and proceeds to like grab my little brother, like in like a chokehold and, and grab his head and just cry into his shoulder for several minutes. It went on. Just hugging everyone. Like a man in pajamas. Like we're talking no jeans. We're talking a man with no underwear and pajamas <laughs> hugging other people who they don't yet we have no. seen in years. And then he comes, he invites himself into our kitchen and starts like having a glass of wine with us. And it was just like the most <laughs> your face right now is amazing. I wish your face could be seen by your listeners. Like the most uh, not uh, maybe we'll uh, just cut my face into <laughs> the YouTube version of this. So people can see, uh, what time of day was this? It's like 8 p.m. What was he doing in pajamas? He was traveling the street. He had been at home. And I guess he had just found out. And he and he was like, I asked my wife if I should come over. And she said, yes, go to them immediately. And we're like, so Gosh, I so when I heard that story, when you were telling it, I thought, well, this guy must not have a wife to tell him this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That was someone who he ran this by. He ran this idea past someone and they told him to do it anyway. And so it's just like the really inappropriate things that people do out of like grief that just 
are incredibly funny. And so mm. I just, I just think like, I can't let this up. It's like comedic gold go to waste. I've got no. to do something with it. No. And you know, Misha's practically my left arm at this point. Like we're really attached. Right. <laughs> well, also like I've always said that our partnership is more like a romantic relationship because we've been together for so long and gone through, we've gone through periods of hard times where we have been, you know, fighting for a couple months and things have been tense and we've had to like work through really hard times and get back to a good place. And so it is really like a marriage. <laughs> And so a purely platonic marriage, of course, <laughs> but for the right roles, I mean, we, we would be willing <laughs> for an Oscar or two. Yeah. Willing to do whatever, you know, for the right, for the right HBO job. Yeah. If you want to collaborate with us on my funeral or our funeral film, we're, we're in the market. Yeah, please. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm game. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm not to bring up, anything tough, but I am interested in hearing how, when you are having a tough time collaborating with each other and you are fighting, how do you work things out? Because I don't think a lot of people, I think, I think everybody can get into tips with good friends, but you know, I don't know that everyone has learned how to work through those things in a good way. And you clearly have. Well, we have like a, we have a business. This is what this is. So like, it's a business and we both are too invested in in each other, in our friendship and also in our business to let like silly things get in the way. And Mm. it's like, listen, it's been, it's been tense. We've had to have like conversations, like come to Jesus moments where we sat down and said, you know, this doesn't fly for me or this doesn't fly for her. And we have to like move through those things respectfully and you know it's it's and it's you know a pol- like checking ego is, yeah is very yeah. important I also think like we've both grown a lot mm-hmm. I think like you especially being British and British people don't always talk about things that are bothering very them. hard for me it's hard mm. like and you have gotten so much better about being upfront about your feelings and talking about things before they get escalated mm-hmm. into being like you know well, I just don't want to do that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. So I think over the last couple of years, we've just gotten so much better at communicating things mm-hmm. that are not going well early before they get to a point That's that are a really good point. negative. Yeah. You know, mm. and therapy, of course, I've been in therapy for 17 years now. So That's good. I've taken those That's skills good and for you. bring them to both of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to say, I mean, you know, one thing that came to mind when you were talking about that, Caitlin, was the, I don't know if either of you saw Get Back, the Beatles documentary that Peter Jackson did that's on Disney+. Plus. I have not watched it yet, no. It's fantastic. Uh, they maybe should have edited it to be like seven episodes instead of three long episodes, but it's brilliant and, okay. and worth it. And there's this really interesting part where it's just Paul and John talking and they're hashing out some grievances and the way they were just up front and speaking their mind to each other, you know, like I think now it's pretty common for people to, they hear someone be direct, they just shrink or they shut down. They weren't doing that. It was one saying what they felt and the other saying what they felt and they were respecting each other through it. And that was a clear thing that was happening without them having to point to it. And another thing that came to mind 
when therapy was mentioned is this is old Metallica documentary where the band was doing like group therapy together. Wow. So That's to hash good. things out. And I, I just think that should be normal. <laughs> I think that yeah. should be the thing people do, if, especially if they're collaborating. Because when you're in, I'm saying this to the audience, not you two, because I know you know this. When you're creating something, you're being so vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's something so close to your heart and it's inside of you. And if someone's not understanding it or if you feel like they're not respecting it, that can be hard to deal with because it is something that's inside of you that they are critiquing and not getting and maybe not being respectful of. So there's so much to unpack with that sort of thing. I just think it'd be great if more people thought about it from a let's get therapy to use (laughs) the right tools in a collaborative way so that we can move forward. Yeah. I mean, I think it just because this has taken us so long, it's had its cons, but mostly pros. Mm -hmm. I think that us having to work through things over long periods of time have been just great for us as people and as partners and as, you know, friends as well. Like we could just have much better skills for dealing with relationships in general. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yes. It was lovely. It was so great having them on. They were a lot of fun, and I really hope you enjoyed me talking to Caitlin and Misha. And if you want to check out more about the film, you can at unbridledfilm.com. There's an A in front of the L because it's a play on words. And you can follow the film on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at unbridledfilm. You can follow Misha on Instagram at Misha Danny and Caitlin at Caitlin Simpson. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at there it is pod you can follow me on instagram at jason far picks and on twitter at jason far jokes also we have our comedy festival blog coming up on july 1st so be on the lookout for that and also subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can you can get information for all of those on there it is pod.com links in bio until next time be good to each other The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 